0: i to open the scriptures, please, uh, to Matthew chapter 6. You know, as we've been uh, going through uh, this, uh, the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus sat and taught his disciples who gathered at his feet and then the wider community, one of the things that we've really seen about this is that Jesus was bringing everything back to us as individuals. We're not just as a community but back to us as individuals and he was talking not about the actions of people but the heart of a person and uh, very easy just to go through the actions. It's very, very easy for us as Christians just to do stuff and uh, very similar to that lady in that video and uh, so uh, we need to connect this on a really personal level as, as with all the things that we've been doing so far and let me read 7 to 15, let us read it together let me read to you and when you pray do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think that they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one, for if, you forgive, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Interesting, isn't it? It starts off when he says, this is how you should pray. Now, he didn't, doesn't say, this is what I want you to pray every time you pray. He didn't say, when you gather as a community, I want you to stand together and pray these words. He said, I want to give you a pattern so that when you come to pray to the Heavenly Father, these are the areas that you should consider. Don't be like babbling pagans. Can you remember, well, I'm sure you do, the, the story of Elijah when he went up onto Mount Carmel and he said to them there, well, you get all of the priests of Baal, the 450 priests of Baal and you create over there an altar and a sacrifice to Baal and I'll create over here a sacrifice to the true and living God. And then he said as they got together, he said, now you go first because what we're going to do is we're going to call down fire from heaven as a proof of who is the true and living God. This is the showdown. And he said, now you go first and you get your God, Baal, to bring down fire from heaven because Baal was the God of fire. Shouldn't have been hard, should it? Now, you go first. And as we read there, they did and they said things like, Baal answer us, they shouted and there was no response, no one answered and they danced around the altar they had made. Must have been a real show, 450 prophets of Baal. They shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until the blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. You know, we we see right throughout the Scriptures at different times with various... Uh, prayers to the pagan gods this was the custom in history we see the custom of, of, of whipping themselves of slashing themselves and we even see that in, a, in, in, in so-called Christian beliefs around the world where people will injure themselves to show how fervently they love God but does the Bible call for any of that? no it doesn't and Elijah went then and, and we know the story. In fact, he said, I, I want to make sure that you know this is a miracle. I want you to know that I don't have just a packet of redheads in the, in the pocket. I want you to know. I want you to make sure that you know what I'm doing here. And they did the sacrifice and they poured water over the top three times. And he prayed. And there was no dancing and there was no slashing and there was no beating and there was no cutting and he said Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Display the power that we know you have and immediately. Not only the word, and the sacrifice, the bull, but the water and the stones as well. Why? Elijah knew the power of God. He intimately knew God and he knew that when he called on God that God had a great desire to answer. But you know, he didn't just call it for himself. He called it that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He called it it so that there would be a display of God's power before these people when it was needed and that people would come and praise God. When we have a look at the Lord's Prayer, it was something that was totally different to what the people had ever prayed before. Sixty times apparently, and I didn't go through and, and count them individually, but about sixty times, Jesus calls God his Father and it is the word Abba. And as, uh, as Evan said, it, it translated, it, it is that of Daddy or Papa. It, it's slightly different because it, it has uh, probably a more reverent sense to it than just the standard daddy and especially the way my kids refer to me as dad. Definitely be more reverent than that because uh, it's usually mixed with some other words, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But there was an intimacy that Jesus was introducing to the people that had not been there before. Only 14 times in the Old Testament was God referred to as Father and it was never about people, it was always about the Father of the nation of Israel. But God was bringing about a change with Jesus coming to earth. He was bringing about an intimate relationship where all of the uh, sacrifices of the Old Testament would be fulfilled through Christ. And here the wall, the barrier that was there before was going to be broken down completely because Jesus was going to take upon himself as the perfect lamb of God all the sins of the world and there was going to be amazing changes take place because here this word father was a word that that we use for our earthly fathers so in that sense there was this intimacy that was, would have been very hard for these people to understand of being able to go to someone and speak to them intimately without all of the other paraphernalia that up until that time had to happen. We could come and talk to God, come individually and talk to God. Remember when we spoke last in the last section, Jesus said to them, don't be like the hypocrites and stand out in the corner and pray in the magnificent ways that they thought they were praying. But he said, go to your room and there in secret converse with your heavenly Father. It was something that was just out of place for these people. But here, here is the beginning of the establishment of a relationship that was completely transformed for these people. And for us today it's not hard to understand but for them at the time this would have been absolutely and totally radical. The interesting thing is we should be able to see this from scripture but there's a lot of people that this is quite foreign to and the idea of coming into a church and just reciting the Lord's Prayer is normal for them. But God calls us away from that sort of thing, a ritual to coming before a heavenly Father. A relationship brought to us through Jesus Christ, through forgiveness, sanctification, adoption, and the filling of the Holy Spirit to be made children of God. Is that amazing? Is that incredible? That the God of the universe the God who created all things wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you, with me, whereby I can go to my room and I can sit down and I can chat with him. I can honour him for who he is and and what he's done and I can ask him for the things that only he can provide and I can ask for the strength to do the things that he wants me to do. What an amazing relationship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you, for those who follow sport, you know, you often hear people talk about going onto to the hallowed turf of the MCG, or the hallowed turf of lords in England, the hallowed turf. What do what they got in America? Do they have anything in America? The, the, the bowl, Maybe, I don't know. But they often talk about the hallowed turf. And for some young people, for some young people, the first time they go on to those things, they often talk about the overwhelming nature of the ground that can put them off their game or inspire them to greater things. There's a reverency that they place on the ground. You know, God's not like that. This is, this is God, the creator of all there is, the giver of love, the giver of Jesus and yet sometimes We treat God in such a way that there's no reverence. We treat God as if he's just a friend. We talk about Jesus in such a way that he could have been any person who lived on earth in history. But when Jesus said, when we come to him in prayer, the Father in prayer, we start by recognising who God is. And when Elijah prayed that prayer, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he recognised God as the one who not only was the creator but called Abraham to create a nation of his people that would honour him and bring glory to the earth through him. When Elijah said the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he was doing this very thing. He was hallowing, honouring, bring glory, bringing glory to his name. This is the great I Am. This is the one that the ancients, when they said his name, they would just write Yahweh because they wouldn't even write his name and when they wrote Yahweh in their, in their writings they would then throw that pen away it wouldn't be used again to write any other words they would continue with another the rest of the words and, and then they would write Yahweh again if need be and then they would throw that pen away such was the reverence that they had for this God Is that the way we honour God? In the world the people commonly use the word God in in a terrible fashion and Jesus is just another swear word and it rolls off the tongue just so easily and we need to be careful that we don't easily follow the path of using God's name in vain or as a swear word or using it in such a way that his name is not glorified because he calls us not only into an intimacy but to understand that even through this relationship that he's brought us into he hasn't changed. So, the great I am is still the great I am today and will be yesterday and today and forever. Your kingdom come. This is very interesting as we, as we think about this when we pray your kingdom come. Now obviously the ultimate of this is when Jesus comes and we understand that he'll come to the clouds and he'll call us to be with him and there we will be taken from this world in the presence of sin and we'll be taken to be with him and we will for, forever be changed and a new body and as you look at me you say praise the Lord a new body and we will be transformed in such an amazing way because God desires us to be taken from this sinful world and to be with him Amen George? you looking forward to that? I am doing yeah, <laughs> man. and I know we all are And we need to count that as a priority. Your kingdom come because I am sick of living on this earth in the presence of sin. I am sick of being dragged down because I count your holiness as a priority. But there's also the other side of your kingdom come. While we're here, God has placed us in this earth to be salt and light And as we do that, hopefully as we do that as a community, there is a place for his kingdom on earth as it stands right now. You know, when the constitution of Australia was set in place all those years ago, it was based on the moral fibre of the Judeo-Christian heritage. And so therefore, within our constitution, was a, a justice system that was set in place with the background in the scriptures. There was a care for those in the community that was there for, that was set in place because of the background of the, of, of the scriptures. He has shown you, a man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly Love, mercy. As we do these things, as justice reigns in our lives and the way that we act in our community, as we are merciful in our dealings with other people and as we walk humbly and we don't live for self, this in itself is the outworking of God's kingdom on earth. And what is the greatest commandment of Scripture that Jesus said? To love... No, 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 no. That's right. Yeah, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. First of all, as we are in relationship with God and commune with the Holy Spirit, we are part of the enabling of his kingdom on earth. And the outworking, when he talks about and also the second one is, it's the outworking of our relationship with him is what? Loving our neighbour as ourselves. The outworking, the kingdom of God on earth. So, whilst we look forward to the time when Jesus comes, we also have a responsibility for what we do right now. In His kingdom, being outworked on earth as it is in heaven, and one of the one, you know, it, it says here, as it finishes off, as it on earth as it is in heaven. One of the one of the keys of God's kingdom in heaven is obedience. Do you know the angels who serve God? know nothing but obedience. For we who are his children and not just servants, how do we stand with obedience? In the last verse of that song we just sung, it, it, um, Steve, is it easy just to, and it isn't, Is it easy just to bring up that last verse because there was an interesting line there and I wonder how many sang it. Yep, please. Lord, use us as you want, whatever the test. How many people saying that this morning or did you just mumble your way through it? Or were you like that lady earlier on who says, yeah, but I didn't mean it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what we want? Obedience to his word, obedience to his call, to allow him to live out through us and allow through us whatever way he calls us to allow his kingdom to be at work on earth. Thanks. Give us today our daily bread. Now, there's three parts that we've gone through that are all about him and now it brings us into the picture. Give us today our daily bread and apparently some have told me that I'm a little like that lady that I could do with less of it. But bread, our daily bread is a metaphor very much for our daily needs and you know it says give us today all that I need for the rest of this year. Today and it's really important because as Evan read to us tomorrow's got enough worries of its own Leave it alone. And maybe, just maybe, we don't want to know and we definitely don't need to know what tomorrow's going to bring. But God will supply tomorrow because while it is today, he will supply today's needs. And when we pray, let us pray for all that we need for today. Not just the things that we want Because sometimes the things that we want are about as opposed to the things that God knows that we need as can be, true? So, when you pray, give us today the things that we need. Be careful, just be careful because he may supply you with what you need to do a task it was just like that whatever the task whatever the task and i know for for some of you in your work situations and so forth it can be really difficult and you need to pray that prayer just to be involved in the things that that you need to be pr- to need to be doing day by day for pauline in the place where you work it's not it's not a very christian workplace is it no not at all and it can be hard work just to be Pauline in that circumstance and who can supply can I supply all that you need for that not at all not a hope neither can wrath other people here we can't because the things that you need only God knows but not only he only he knows he's the only person Who's capable of supplying them? Strength, gifting, circumstance, patience, all the things that we may need for the things that God calls us to do are things that only He can provide. And when we ask for it, when we ask for them, just be careful because he might just supply for the things that he wants you to do. But then there's this next verse which is always very interesting, isn't it? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When we go back to Deuteronomy, especially Deuteronomy chapter 8 where God gives them the choice of the blessing or the curse and Deuteronomy, the theme is if you do this, I will supply that. The theme is basically if you obey me, I will bless you out of your socks and we often for those of us who, who uh, have been Christians a very long time, we, we used to commonly hear of the Old Testament that was uh, the covenants with strings attached. So, the blessing came with obedience. But then, when grace came, grace comes with no strings attached. And that is true. We can accept Jesus Christ and all he's done for the forgiveness of our sins, no strings attached. And this verse is not talking about people who come to Christ for the first time and in humility and understanding of what Christ has done accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Saviour and are forgiven for all their sins. This is a verse for his children. This is a verse for those who have already committed their way to him. And you know when he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbour as yourself, can you live in unforgiveness for the person you love? Not much of a love, is it? It sometimes happens, but who's miserable? Everyone in the relationship. Imagine a father. And the father has two sons and they have a falling out and in this relationship they can't forgive one another for this falling out. How does that affect the father? What happens to the heart of a father when His children have a broken relationship. Breaks his heart. He's the collateral damage. And so when one comes to him and says, Father, let's sit down and have a chat and uh, this is what I want to do and and da-da-da-da-da-da. What does the father say? Well, son, I think that all sounds fantastic but as your father, this is what I would like to happen before we get involved in any of those things. Before I come and help you in these areas, this is what I would like to happen because I think this is the best foundation to do what you want to do. Oh, what's that Dan? I want you to go and ask the forgiveness of your brother. What do you mean? He was the one who hurt me. He was the one who did all those things. Does that sound familiar? I want you to go and I want you to ask forgiveness for your brother and then I want you to come back after you've done that after you've been reconciled to him, then we'll talk and and I actually want to really be involved in your plans because I think they're great. Is that what a real father would do? I think so. And here is our heavenly father who lives in relationship with his son and the Holy Spirit, who knows no division nor unforgiveness, and here is the father who sent Jesus, his son, to this earth to bring forgiveness for our sin. So, when we come to ask forgiveness of him for our sins, what right could we ever have to not forgive someone that we perceive has hurt us that is definitely not living in humility lead us not into temptation and I thought that was uh, very interesting but deliver us from the evil one in the way that it was portrayed in that little video I'll do my part God says but I want you to play your part also And sometimes it may need moving away from some relationships. TV shows we watch, magazines that may be read. I'm not talking about porn magazines but some magazines just aren't healthy and don't encourage us and don't put good things in our mind. And people often just brush off things like gossip and they refer to it as other things. But they're very happy to live in those sort of relationships. We've got to play our part and Jesus here is saying that in this relationship of God where we can come and pray to him in this intimate way, that we've got to play our part. And we want to live as children of God would live. So, if we want him to protect us from the downfalls, the pitfalls that the evil one puts before us, and he does because he loves us to have a broken relationship with God, then we've got to play our part. And then it goes on and reminds once again, Jesus puts right out there what he meant. For He said, if you forgive other people, sorry, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He reiterates it, he reminds them, he states it that in relationship with God, in real relationship with God, you also have to play your part in relationship with your fellow man. These are great verses. <coughs> These are great verses and a foundation to the way we should pray. Will you think, rethink maybe the way you pray but before coming to God in prayer or asking him, Lord, as I pray, And as I come to you for forgiveness, please remind me of relationships that I need to get right. Please freshen my heart. You know when um, David was confronted by Nathan after his uh, um, behaviour with Bathsheba, and Nathan came to him and confronted him with it. He'd committed adultery with this woman, first of all in his heart and then physically and then to try and cover it up he'd sent Uriah, her husband, to the front line so where where he would be killed to cover it up. And when he was confronted he fell to his knees realising the poverty of spirit that he was in right then and there, realising the sin that had just overwhelmed him and realising that when we do things that are wrong and we live this way that we have no fellowship with God. So, to restore that fellowship he went to God in prayer and he said these things, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight because we sin against God and the effects of that sin affect others Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing heart to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your way so that sinners will turn back to you when we are in relationship with God then and only then can we be salt and light deliver me from the, from the guilt of bloodshed O God you who are God my saviour and my tongue will sing of your righteousness open my lips Lord and my mouth will declare your praise and then get this You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. They're only a means to an end. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Jesus continues on the theme of the heart, not our outwardly actions. It's not about dancing around and trying to show that we can pray great prayers, but it is about a humble and contrite heart before a wonderful, loving, merciful, gracious heavenly Father. We pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these holy scriptures that you have given to us that teach us, that rebuke us, that remind us but always to draw us closer to yourself. I thank you for the Holy Spirit and today, Father, as your Holy Spirit dwells within us, I pray that he would be be, um, uh, disrupted and challenge us and bring to our minds and hearts things that we need to get right with our fellow man so that we may get right with you. For if our desire, Father, is to be used by you, then we need to do our part and be right with our fellow man. Father, bless us today that we might bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.